Hey everybody, and welcome to our Train Like a Trooper podcast. I'm host Sarah Stewart, along with my co-host, Trooper Eric Foster, and we have three very special guests here with us today, three um, retired troopers. We have Corey Miner, Craig Medcalf, and Charlie Samples, talking about the anniversary of, of this date, May 3rd, um, is a date that many Oklahomans are sadly extremely familiar with. Um, you know, every every spring tornado season, every, this is a date that sticks out in our minds. and all, all three of you guys were working that day when the giant tornado hit May 3rd. Um, tell us, all three of you were off that day, weren't you? I think all three of you told me you were actually off that day. Yes. yes. There's no off days for troopers there, no, really, right? Not, not when something like that happens. <laughs> so, Corey, let's start with you. You said you were actually hanging out by the pool with I, a friend yes. and listening to it and kind of being annoyed with all the weather interruptions on the yes, radio. Yes, <laughs> I, I was at the pool. I lived in an apartment complex in Norman. And uh, I was at the pool with the, the guy that lived across the hall from me, and we were listening to some music and laying out at the pool. And they kept breaking in, the news kept breaking in, uh, giving updates, you know, warnings and updates. And at that time, it was down around Surreal or Cement or somewhere, someplace down there. And they did that a couple of times. And, and I remember turning to him and saying, you know, I don't know why they, why they break into these, to these stations like this. Like, what's the chances? of a tornado hitting a populated area, you know, and, it, and then it, it tracked closer. It got closer and closer and closer. And eventually when it hit, I think I-44, I told him, I said, I better go turn my radio on, you know, and my handheld, see what's going on. And I turned it on and you could hear the, you could hear the traffic of the other troopers. And, and so I knew then that it was going to track through that part of South Oklahoma city and the Moore area. And so I got dressed and, uh, I, I knew that Charlie was, I think he had told me that he was going to be out taking photographs because he had a, I knew that he had a uh, photography passion and had had chased these and took pictures of, of tornadoes in the past. So I knew that he was out, you know, doing that. And, and uh, so I got dressed and just started driving up to Moore and got him, you know, called him. We met at off of Western, like 104th, 134th and Western, I think is where, where the Moore School was. And that's where we met and uh, we, we got out there, just me and him. So Charlie, were you just planning on taking pictures that day? I was just planning on taking pictures. I was, um, I you know, track, you know, we had training about, you know, uh, following uh, tornadoes in patrol school. And so started out Southwest Oklahoma where they were very prevalent. They'd start and come this way. And so, Kind of was a passion of mine just to kind of, you know, to track them, either if I was working or not. So on this day, when they were talking about the conditions, about, you know, what potential it could be, uh, and once the temperature got to a certain level that it could really ramp up, I had never seen a tornado this size before, but it, the way they were talking about it was like it was going to be an extremely large tornado. So I definitely want to get some photographs of it. And so... I uh, went out and set up and tried to find the best place that I could, that I hopefully could run into it. Greg, you said you were watching it from your house. Yes, ma'am. Uh, yeah, I had taken my family down to the neighbors because they just put in a storm shelter and I lived out in the Bridge Creek area and we could see it coming. And it was the roar and uh, everything was just unbelievable. I got in my pickup, drove back down to the house, got, got dressed, got in my unit and I was the first First one on the scene at Bridge Creek. Where do you even 
begin in a situation like that? Okay, you say you're the, the first person on scene, and it's just, I mean, how, I just, where do you start? The first place I went was to that I came up on was that I knew that was had been hit hard was a was a trailer park that they had down there, and I got out and was looking. I'm nothing. It was just level grass was totally ripped out of the ground. It was all it was just mud. Uh, and everything, and I could hear some screaming and yelling, and I went looking around, and they had a community, I guess what you'd call it, a community uh, storm shelter. Held 10 people. There were 20 in there, counting the kids and a couple of babies, and the, the debris had gotten on it. I opened that door, and it was just like one of the, like a cloud car. They just all came out and, you know, what do you do, what do we do? You know, I, I told them to make sure everybody was all right and just went to looking for uh, other survivors and just, just look at the area and see what was totally destroyed and it was everything, everything. You said you did find some survivors. Yeah, like I said, it was like you open a clown door car and now this, that's what it was. I mean, as soon as I got the debris off and pulled the door open, they just, and I couldn't believe how many people had come out, were coming out of there and it ended up being 20 with little children and a couple of babies. and adults they were packed in Corey, you said you didn't you left your house that day and didn't return for what four days i, th I think we were gone for i know several days uh i don't i don't remember if it was exactly four days or but I, but i know uh that that after we began looking for people that day that it kind of turned into it, it turned into a, a more organized event. They, the, the Highway Patrol leadership established the Emergency Operations Center. I remember they pulled the, uh, oh, the RV or whatever the, the command post yeah. was uh, in, into that church parking lot, the Baptist Church parking lot there at uh, 27th Street. Yeah. And they, they were running a Highway Patrol class and they brought all the cadets. And then I remember getting assigned a cadet. And then I think I was at 27th and, and uh, 27th Street someplace at an intersection. And they sent us to, they sent all the troopers to intersections, you know, to, to, to guard the intersection, I guess, uh, you know, against either looting, which I saw absolutely none of. I, you know, I, I never saw any looting uh, but I know it was a couple of days before, before I ever got back. That's why they always told us to keep a, a duffel bag in the trunk with clean clothes and some cash and, and socks and, you know, fresh stuff like that. So if you are out for a few days, you at least have something to change into because there was no, there was no power, you know, and eventually people started bringing around water, you know, uh, uh, citizens would bring water by, ask if you needed something to eat or, you know, th things like that. But I was gone several days and it gave, gave you a new appreciation for having a, having a ready kid in the, in the trunk. That's for, that's for sure. So you weren't ready before you learned right. your lesson. That's, that's exactly that, right. right. Yeah. As, as, as Snickers was, was, was really, really, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I remember Governor Keating had said, you know, there will be no looting. We had and, one, we had one instant there in Bridge Creek. And it was, and it, it, it was quite comical that yeah. it happened. And it, I think it just said a lot about, a lot about the people here, you know, that there was no, you know, 
because there were things of value. I mean, the homes were opened up and TVs. And I think we saw a gun safe and maybe maybe we saw a couple of, I, I, do, do you remember seeing uh, like some guns and gun bags like laying around? I think so. I, I do yeah. too. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't ever have an instance of having to, to arrest a looter or anything like that. Especially no. as large as the area was that yes. was destroyed. I mean, that, that does say a lot. Yeah, sure does. Sure does. So, yep. So we parked at uh, 134th and Western or some someplace down where we're Southmore. Westmore. Right. Westmore. Westmore. Yeah. Westmore. Uh, yeah, excuse me. Westmore school was. And that's, we, we went uh, west into that neighborhood because it looked like that had been hit the hardest. And, uh, School must have been in session because because I remember all of the cars that were in the parking lot had been taken and stacked in one corner of the parking lot that must have been 75 feet high, just one on top of the other. Every, every single car in the parking lot had been moved to one corner of the parking lot and all stacked on top of each other. So it was it was. And then we went into the neighborhoods and we started looking, going house to house. Yeah, this, the neighborhood where we first went into, if you can imagine, um, nothing there except driveways. No street signs, no landmarks. The, the houses are completely gone from the foundation. So you really have no reference mark to know exactly you know, where you're at, you know, unless somebody had painted the numbers on the curb or something like that. And... When we arrived, there were people that were coming out, uh, and they, I wrote down here, they looked like zombies. I mean, they were just shell-shocked, you know. And, um, but leading up to that, I can remember the, the meteorologists on, on, the, on the radio, you know, the ones that were on TV that were translated over to the radio. They were saying, do not mess around with this storm. I mean, you have got to get below ground if you're going to survive it. And, but when, where we were at, where we parked our units and started working our way back to see if we could, you know, find survivors and then find out if there was anyone that was injured or deceased and kind of mark those locations to get people in there. But there was no reference for the part that we were at. It was just totally gone. I mean, there was maybe a few little standing things like where we found the gentleman that had passed away. Uh, the thing that was left was his bathtub and um, uh, his commode and, and maybe a a small part of the wall, but that was it. And so uh, fire hydrants, water was shooting everywhere. Gas was going, you know, the natural gas lines had been busted and they were shooting gas. It was it was really just chaos. I mean, it was just, and there was nowhere to begin, you know. Uh, where, where do you begin? You couldn't call an, you couldn't call an ambulance because you didn't know where you were. There were. You didn't know what street you were on. You didn't know what house number. And so I'm, I remember when we parked, we parked in the center of the road, in the center of, of uh, Western, you know, just right in the center of the road to, so to allow ambulances and stuff to, to be able to pass uh, because there were so many cars, you know, pulling up and stopping. And then, uh, but he's, you know, I, I remember that too, the, the gas, the hissing of the, of the gas and just the, uh, how the destruction was was random. You know, this house would could could almost look like it was untouched. You know, but the one right next to it was nothing left but the slab. Um, and and I remember going into 
a house that had no roof, but the, but the kitchen table still had the plates, the silverware, you know, it was set for dinner and, but the roof was gone, you know, and, and I can remember me and Charlie both getting into a refrigerator uh, and, and getting bottles of water, you know, because we were, we were so dehydrated because it was, it was hot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was warm. It was, it was in the nineties, you know, that's what they were talking about. That temperature gets up there, you know, and, and an interesting thing to add to that is that while we were in Moore, this tornado was still going on yeah. and it was still creating, you know, and so we were just at, you know, Craig was down at Bridge Creek, which is on the other side of the river, you know, and then we're right across the river from him and more. And then this thing is still going. And like all tornadoes, like when they have done their destruction and they're gone through, there's like a peaceful, calm, eerie, quiet. It's interesting. Like, yeah. you know, it's just different. But uh, but th- well, we were where we were at. But, you know, there were other guys that were still having to deal with, you know, what's, what was coming. Yeah, it was Amazing because and what got me was after we had to set up perimeters to keep people out because it was amazing how many people came down there to see what was going on and look. Just in you know, uh, the you know, we had to stop. Nobody could go down roads or go down to their houses. With you know, it was like three days before we allowed anybody back into that area. You had to show us a driver's license, and we had to put stickers on the driver's license to know that they actually belong there because like I said we had one area, one instance one night uh, about the second night we got a call of a disturbance over where these there was like four or five mobile homes and they were just totally totally gone and we pulled up and the families of those mobile homes had been allowed to come back in and they were actually camping there they had sleeping bags and tents and they were picking up their belongings what they could find and there were two guys that were actually had wandered in there and were stealing stuff and uh the commotion was before we got there they had these two guys down and they were giving them a workout and we rolled up there and stopped everything wanted to know what's going on they told us and uh they said uh did you say carry on? Believe it or not, pretty close. Uh, we told them, you know, hey, here, you know, these guys are going. We, we, you know, we were, we were, no, you were still, you were robbing these people who've lost everything, and these, the people were saying, are we going to be in trouble? And we said, no, nah, the thing is, we got here a little too soon. <laughs> but the deal is, you guys can either turn around, we'll put handcuffs on you and take you away, or we'll just drive off and. You know, what happens, happens. They immediately spun around, backing up to us. <laughs> we cuffed them, called another uh, a trooper, a roving trooper car, come pick them up, haul them out of there, and we cleaned their car out. You know, there was stuff there. But, you know, that was the only thing that we had. That was the only instant we had. But it was just, you know, the, the homeowners were upset because they couldn't get in. People were trying to come look just to look and because you've never seen trees with no leaves, if there was a tree left standing, there's no leaves on it. When you can find a, a red <coughs> Ford little explorer standing straight up and down, buried into the ground from the bumper to the front tire, you know, all the grass around is gone. Everything's, you know, it was just, like I said, it was just 
the worst devastation to ever be around other than the other did. And and those type of things, those those uh, weird things that it did, you know, like uh, I I remember on the cars the 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 gas door, the gap where you put your gas in that that hinges out. Those were popped out, and then it was filled solid, smooth with mud. You know, and like the door locks, where you put your key into the to the car door, was just you know flat with mud and and uh, two before studs. You know, I can remember being stuck down into the ground, but they'd be in a circle, like in a front yard. And, or or through a wall, you know, one stuck through a, through a, a brick wall, and just very very odd things. You know, it, it's just an odd thing to see. It doesn't. It, not a lot of it makes sense, uh, and, and it's so powerful that you know the power of that thing when it came by, you know, by my house, just the the roar was. It's unimaginable. You knew you could see the things flying, but the roar of this thing was just almost deafening. It was it was nothing like I'd ever heard in my life, you know. And a lot of people say it sounds like a train. This didn't sound like a train. It was just almost like an electric hum. Yeah, yeah, but this thing just, it was roaring, and it it wasn't, it didn't, even though it was spinning at 300 miles an hour, it wasn't moving as fast as you you think, well, 300 miles an hour, it was going to be by you. It just like it was grinding everything, and you're just going, you know, I can can remember just going, oh, my God, this is, this is, this is bad. And to think it was a mile wide. Yeah. Is is just a phenomenal sight. Mile wide, three hundred mile, three hundred to three hundred and seven miles an hour. Yeah, it is actually. We had a partner in Cleveland County, a guy named Mark Nelson. He's passed away since, but his neighborhood was where we pulled up to, and it missed his house by one hundred and fifty yards. It was that close to his house, so he would, uh, and so you know, it would have affected him, you know, and his family for sure. And there was an apartment complex across the street from that more school mm-hmm. it that it killed that it killed several people in there i think it did. if, if yeah. memory serves um, several people died in there as well but i don't remember going over there i think we stayed west of west of western in that neighborhood if my memory is correct it just as a kind of a caveat an interesting thing as relates to our profession you know troopers you know you are not called out you you just volunteer you just go and you take that initiative and so wherever you show up, you know, you start assessing the the problem and then you, you know, you start trying to figure out, you know, I know when these people came walking up to us, they needed a place to go, you know, because we knew there'd be other law enforcement, other first responders coming. So we told them to congregate, you know, buy our patrol cars so that way there'd be, be a reference point, you know, because, you know, somebody sees a black and white with lights on, you know, they're going to go to there. And so kind of just guided them in that direction just to just to stay there because they really they had nowhere to go and then you know i don't know what happened to them because we continued on but uh, you know just it's guys that in 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 the you know troopers that do our profession that's what you do you just take the initiative none of us were working it's not a a, an added 
a badge of anything other than it's just that's your job yeah. and you just know you're going to do it and you just show up and and then you know like would you know i was fortunate to have Corey. you know we partner here in the, in the cleveland county together but you know we kind of knew what you know we were going to do together we're like you know let's go together and you know he'd take one side of the street and i'd take the other and then you know i i never saw that with with anything on the highway patrol whether it was a tornado or whether it was a an ice storm or you know, there was never any requirement for a supervisor to call you and say, hey, can you come out and help these other troopers who are out working, you know, because I, I didn't get paid any more than I normally would have for going in on my day off. But there was never any hesitation. You knew that it was going to be bad and there were going to be people that needed to be helped. And that's the way that you were trained is you don't wait to be called out. You get dressed and you go to the scene of the problem and you start working to to, to, to try to better it or try to help people. And that's, and that's one thing I've, I've been told from outside agencies is looking from the outside in, say troopers work so well together and we do. And that's part of, you know, how we were bred in our training too Absolutely. and how we live together and how we bleed together. But that whole, you know, we show up like you're saying, and I might not even be your partner. You might be from a different County, but when we show up together, we, it, we just start rolling. Absolutely. And Charlie's always said it, and a lot of us have got the same uh, mindset. You know, when you do roll up on that stuff, there's three things you got to do. You got to improvise, you got to adapt, and you've got to overcome. Because everybody, when they see that brown uniform roll up, that used to be a black and white, roll up, and you step out of that car, is sheriff's office, police departments, citizens, they just, and you're the man. Whether you want to be it or not, you are the man. You know, the, the public wants answers, and, and they want to know, you know, what can we do? And, you know, like I said, you know, and our, just our small part of it was is just, you know, I mean, we didn't plan just to park our cars there. We just like, hey, we're just going to park here, allow people to go around us, but, you know, to be a market that, that if somebody showed up, Law enforcement, they would know that there's some troopers around here somewhere. Don't know where they're at, yeah. but they're here. But then, you know, and, you know, people were saying, we don't know what to do. And just gave them that, but we couldn't stay there and, you know, kind of, you know, take care of them because they're, they're, they're doing better than most. And so we need to go, you know, the people that needed, you know, needed the, the, the critical, they need to be uh, rescued or, you know. And neither of us had medical bags. I mean, we didn't have, I mean, we had a small, first aid kit, you know, in our trunk, yeah. that just a basic, you know, first aid kit. But these people were people that had, you know, huge lacerations and some, you know, penetrating injuries. And so we just tried to, you know, our, our best option was saying go to Western, you know, because the ambulances weren't going to be able to make it into the neighborhoods because of the debris on the road. So go to go to Western to, to the highway patrol cars and wait there. The ambulances will eventually show up. And they did. And I think that that by that night they had activated the the emergency uh, response vehicle and and had set up a command center there in the church parking lot and then you know things started to get more organized and we started assigning troopers to special places and you know getting heavy machinery in there to clear roads to allow ambulances to come in to to continue the recovery and search efforts so. It took a little while to, to get, but we had never, I, I don't ever remember dealing with anything in the state, even remotely, uh, other than like the bombing. 
uh, anything that to, to that level. The, the command post they put at, at, at the church there, First Baptist Church on 27th Street, it was just a temporary one. It was just go to this location, you know, because it's going to start rolling in assets and resources, things like that. And like Corey said, they brought had the cadets come down. I, I, I wrote down the, the guy's name who I picked up. I don't know if he's still working or if he's still a trooper, but William Cotner. I don't know if he's, he's but I, he's I picked still, him up. He just retired. Oh, did he? Cheyenne Cotner just retired. Okay. Can, oh, so I picked up Cheyenne. I didn't know his name. Yeah, yeah Cheyenne, so Cheyenne's on the tag team with me later on. But but we went to – so troopers were signed to the inner perimeter. You know, they they gave us the inner perimeter because, you know, I mean, there's those buffer zones to get in. But once you get to us, there's nobody going past that, you know. Right. And so in in all of the things that we've been involved in, Murr building, you know, the tornadoes has happened since then and more, you know, troopers, you know, were – signed to that inner perimeter because nobody's going to get past that point. And I can tell you when I went to the church to receive uh, the cadet that I was partnered with, I chose a cadet that I had been a Norman police officer with by the name of Brent Sugg, who, who later <laughs> who later went on to, to do uh, greater things on the highway patrol. And, and so he was, he was the cadet that was with me uh, because I saw him in the, in the ranks and uh, told them I wanted Brent Sugg to go with me. So, and I think I may have, may have gave him a Snickers bar or something too, that, that he wasn't getting while he was in patrol school. So I may, I may have took care of him a little bit. So if he's listening, he, he, he'll, he'll recall that. So. Obviously this, this podcast is called train like a trooper. And we talk about training a lot on this podcast. I don't know how to ask this question, but did the did OHP were they, were they kind of saying, "Hey, this this day might be pretty bad"? You know, I, I don't even know how you really prepare for something like that. Or how, no, you know? no, nobody really said. All you they kept talking about the perfect storm. You've heard of different things. You know, uh, the ocean had a perfect storm and lost a ship. They did a movie. It was everything that day, and not any day since fell exactly in line the temperature the humidity everything and when it erupted they had no clue that you you were going to have the largest and fastest move fastest wind speeds ever recorded on planet earth yes and nobody knew and it really people didn't start realizing that hey we this is because it started, like I said, down in Surreal, hit a little bit of Chickasha, came up I-44, came across Bridge Creek, went on towards Moore and on to Clare Stroud. And by the time I think they started realizing once it literally obliterated the community of Bridge Creek, being a mile wide with wind speeds as fast as they were, that like Charlie said, that's when they started telling anybody in the path You've got to get underground or get out of the area because you're not going to survive it if you're above the ground. And it just, it, that's when it really became a lot more chaotic. I think that's when I turned my radio on because I I don't remember anything about that day other than going to the pool and because I didn't pay attention to the weather. Unlike Charlie, I wasn't into storm chasing or photography or anything like that. So, I mean, I, I nobody then, or at least I didn't pay attention to the weather because You'd never seen anything like that hit a populated area. So I didn't think anything about it. So. Yeah, when you see that stovepipe, which is the the shape of that tornado, I mean, you know that that's 
it's very large, very damaging, you know, and, you know, like in my experience, you know, living, having rule assignments and things like that, you see tornadoes, you see not, in, you know, not any of that size, but you see fairly large ones that can do quite a bit of damage, but they're in the rural area. They don't really hit anything, maybe an occasional barn or, or house, but, um, you know. What are your typical, like you see, the, oh. The funnel shape. The funnel shape. This thing was just massive. And the, you've got to realize that the debris line around that was about a half a mile. They found a tail off of a airplane that had been down or somewhere between Surreal and Chickshake. They found it up in the Bridge Creek area. You know, uh, it, it just, cars, animals. I mean, it was just, it was unreal. It was. I've never seen anything like it and have never seen anything like it since. Like you said, it's a, really the first time we'd ever seen anything like that. I'll tell you from, you know, when I, troopers now in training, you know, and we've talked about this before, they really hammer into us that incident can command system. And it's really based on things that we've seen. We've learned, you know, uh, lessons from things that you guys have seen, you know, about how to quickly work with other agencies quickly and get resources into an area and be able to control that area very quickly, which you guys really had never seen before. No. We kind of learned from, from no, you guys and, going through. No, and we never received any instruction in patrol school about right. tornado. I, I didn't about tornado responses. I don't recall re receiving any of that instruction, but, but you were always taught when you are put in a position of leadership that you begin to lead. Yes. And whether that's with you and another trooper, whether that's you with a local police department or sheriff's office, when you get into a position, you begin to lead and you begin to delegate and you begin to organize and and do what you can to help people. And, and matter of fact, I can remember them saying, we can't train you for every yes. event that you will come up on, right. but we can train you to think, you know, in, in a manner that will allow and that's you to what our lead. OHP Academy is so good at, yeah, that, 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 uh, that situation where we, we, we show up on scene and we take charge. Right. Yeah. I, later on after this and been murder building and some other things, but uh, I taught instant command in patrol school to two cadets, you know, and I don't know if it's because of those things, but I got volunteered or told to do that. I don't know, but. But we, as we, yeah, we came up with, you know, we did incident command. And so, you know, I was sure there's, you said they're still doing that. So, yes. you know, yeah. And you know, you can lead, you can lead from the top or the bottom or the middle, you know, it just, any, anybody can be a leader. All you need is, is the situation. That's true. And like I said, as you know, everybody, it's amazing. In, I don't know about other States, but when that, uniform steps out of a car you can be and the sheriff can be standing right there in that county and he'll look at you and say you got it and you have to figure it out like i said the main thing is and we i was involved in a lot of patrol schools just like what charlie and i've talked a long time even Corey, sometimes you got to improvise adapt and overcome those are your three biggest things that you've got to learn as a trooper because those are going to be things that are going to make you or break you as a trooper, you've got you. There's no stepping out of your car and going, well, I don't think I want to do this. I'm getting back in. No, once you pull up, I'm, I'm tired. tired. I'm tired. I want to go home. Yeah, I'm tired. I want to go home. 
I'm sure you were tired at some we point tired. time after We were this. very, very, very yeah. tired, yeah. Well, it's that adrenaline rush for one, the first thing, you know, and then you get into the rescue mode and, you know, the other things that you do. But then, you know, you, there's that, you, you finally goes away and then you're exhausted, you know, and, but, you know, it's why we do what we do. Yeah. There to help people yeah. and that's the fuel. Mm-hmm. On this date, every year, you're, I'm sure your mind goes back to that day. I, I do. I, I think of it, you know, usually there's something in the paper or on the news, you know, so I, I remember it and uh, pay attention to the weather probably more closely now than I did back then after that, for sure. I've taken, in this same location, I've taken pictures of three tornadoes going along that almost that same path. And, you know, and I kind of know the location to get in just from a safety standpoint now, but, uh, it's uh, but I've tracked three of them in that same vicinity, you know, which is very, very odd. Yes, it is. The, the chances of that. Well, is. the interesting thing is when we first started, when I first started in 1986, you know, being assigned to Troop M, you know, tor- the, the storms would form down there and then tornadoes would start in that area and come north, uh, northeast. But as time went, the, those storms would develop at a further northeast location like this one did. This one didn't form, you know, down in Altus in that area. Best I remember it formed, you know, north of Lawton. And then, you know, but, but it's kind of, it's kind of that pattern kind of changed over time. And it just, for some the weather conditions, it just, you know, and that's where those storms would form. Those tornadoes would form. Uh, I haven't noticed anything lately, but. Kind of interesting. Cause like I said, I had the May 3rd, the last big one, my son was just- Sitting, they'd had they knew it was coming. Had him sitting down at the Interstate 35 at Indian Hills Road, and to listen to him talk about the size, you know, the sounds and stuff, I could recall that you know, hey, right there with you, you know, it's something you'll never forget. Mm-hmm. That or the mm-hmm. We appreciate you guys Thank sharing you. your memories of that day with us. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome.